Pastor Ed Taylor shares this cute story that emphasizes an important point. A little boy frightened by a, a real scary thunderous lightning storm called out to his daddy one night and said, Daddy, Daddy, come, I'm scared. And the dad went back, you know, not wanting to get up. Son, God loves you. He'll take care of you. And to the son responds, I know, Dad, I know that God loves me, but right now I want somebody with skin on, you know. <laughs> For all intents and purposes to describe Jesus, he is God with skin on. And what, how grateful we are that he was sent to us. This is amazing grace. From Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Glad you could join us as we get back into John's Gospel. In chapter 10, Jesus makes an amazing statement. I and the Father are one. Now what Jesus was communicating to us here really boils down to who he is. Pastor Ed, before we get to our message today, why do you think it's so important that we get this one right? Well, Larry, it's important that we get this straight for one simple reason. If we have the character and the nature of God incorrectly, everything else we do will be incorrect. We will incorrectly worship a false God of our own making. We will incorrectly live our lives. We will incorrectly make decisions. We will incorrectly teach others. We will incorrectly read the Bible and on and on the list goes. I mean, consider those that were even in the presence of Jesus the religious rulers of the day, because they got Jesus wrong, they taught others to get Jesus wrong. And they affected not only their eternal state, but literally hundreds, if not thousands of others who would follow them again incorrectly. So to have the character and the nature of God revealed to us by God is a gift. I mean, I think about it when Genesis 1-1 opens God is saying, look, I'm going to tell you how it is from the beginning. In the beginning, God. And that is now the gifted revelation of who God is to us. And we would do well to allow the Word of God to inform us, to teach us, and allow the Holy Spirit to enliven us so that we might follow the one true God. And Jesus in particular, who declared himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. And it's important that we follow Him because he's, He has defined Himself in so many different ways. Great question. Thanks for asking. And with that as a backdrop, let's dive into our message, One with the Father. Here's Pastor Ed once again. John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 30, where Jesus says, I and my Father are one. He's making a statement not just of purpose, but he's making a statement of nature, as we'll see in a moment. I and my Father are one. Then, verse 31, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? 
And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now, I think you'd agree that Jesus is the most controversial person who has ever lived. There is a group of people on the earth over the years that love him, adore him, and he's worshipped by so many. On the other hand, there's another group that hate him, despise him, and reject him. And still more, just simply disregard him, set him aside, and dismiss him from their lives. But remember, in the time of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus turns to his disciples and he tells them, you know, he's kind of considering, he goes into the area of Caesarea Philippi, where we'll stop on our tour, and, and he takes them into that area and he says, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's an important question. That's a question that God is asking you today. Who do you say Jesus is? And there's a lot of confusion with that question. Even in the days of Jesus, many people thought he was Jeremiah, the prophet. Others thought he was Elijah. I mean, even Herod thought that Jesus was John the Baptist come back from the dead. There was a lot of confusion of who he was. And today, still so many are unclear of exactly who Jesus is. For example, in the, Bible, in the Bible, Pontius Pilate, who personally interrogated Jesus, sent him off to be crucified, thought Jesus was innocent. And he said, and I quote, I find no fault in this man. To that he was correct. It's too bad he didn't surrender his life to him. Many years later, Napoleon said, I know men, and Jesus was no mere man. He's close. Gandhi, he said, Jesus was a man who's completely innocent, offering himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies. Still yet closer. The former TV host Larry King said that if he could interview anyone in human history, he would want to interview Jesus. And he said, I quote, I would ask him if he was indeed virgin born because the answer to that question would define history. Well, the answer to your question is yes, he was virgin born. Oprah Oprah Winfrey said this, Jesus cannot be the only way to heaven. Oprah, if you're listening in and you happen to be watching this, I want to let you know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion when it comes to Jesus, culturally, religiously, But you know, everyone has an opinion, but only Jesus defines himself, and he does a good job. Here in verse 30, he says who he is. I and the Father are one. This is a direct claim, and you might want to write this down. I know for some of you it's repetitive, but for some of you it's brand new, and you want to understand this. Jesus is claiming to be God. The word is deity. D-E-I-T-Y. He is claiming to possess deity, not God, little g, like idols and all kinds. He is saying here, I am God. I am equal to the Father. And and some, it just blows my mind that still to this day, people on YouTube, people even on the radio and television will come to the conclusion after reading the Bible and say, you know what? Jesus never claimed to be God. What? 
They come to your door with false pamphlets and false religion. Jesus never, the, the, the Watchtower and Tract Society has even come out with their own version of the Bible that is not accurately translated to the original Greek language, especially as we'll see in a, in a very important verse. They actually add a letter in order to take away the claim of Jesus Christ. And you go, wait a minute, Ed, how do you know he's claiming to be God? Well, the people that were in front of him the people that could touch him, the people that could smell his breath and feel it on their faces, the ones that were there, they knew exactly what he was saying, so much so that they believed they were religiously justified to stone him because they knew exactly what he was saying. They knew exactly. It says here, John says, hey, they recorded them saying, you were going to kill you because you being a man, that's what they saw, make yourself God, capital G. There's a lot of opinions, but Jesus, he defines who he is. It was C.S. Lewis that once wrote, and I quote, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and call him a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord. But let us not come to any patronizing nonsense about him, just being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he didn't intend to. And you know, the best way to know someone when you don't have direct access to them is to talk to those that spent the most time with him. And in the Bible and throughout history, we have eyewitness accounts of who Jesus is, what he said, and what he did. Even John, the author of this gospel, who also wrote the books in the Bible of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, who also recorded for us the book of Revelation. He himself declares that Jesus is God on more than one occasion. Now, we've been in the Gospel of John for a long time now. I looked it up. I didn't see the start date, but I know that we're on our 46th Bible study as we go through the Gospel of John. So what that means with traveling and being sick and such, we've been in the Gospel of John for more than a year now, and we're almost halfway done. So that's not bad. That's not bad timing to be through. So some of you just joined us last couple weeks, last couple months, maybe within the last year, and you weren't here for the important studies in the very beginning. So let me just remind you of a couple statements that John make that are very foundational to the nature of Jesus Christ. Go back to John chapter 1, verse 1. This is where the watchtower has changed. They've added a letter in here, and I'll show you in a moment, to completely take out the weight of this truth. And what Jesus is saying is that he's God, and John is saying it even before he quotes Jesus when he says in verse 1 of chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, when the Jehovah Witnesses come to your door and they open up their Bible to you, which you want them to do, and you want them to show you, you'll notice that they take the word God and put a little G there, and they put a letter A before it. The letter A is not only not in the original Greek manuscripts anywhere, but it also doesn't fit the context of all of chapter 1. It doesn't make any sense. Because in case you dismiss verse 1, then you have verse 14. And verse 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And you'll recall in our studies, we made it very clear that the word is referring to none other than Jesus Christ. He became flesh. He is God. He was there in the beginning. And this is a very important statement. So for our time today, I want to unpack four things that Jesus is saying when he says, I and my Father are one. There are many more 
But let's just look at four. Now, for those of you that are curious, you most serious, you that are more serious in Bible study, we have other Bible studies that I've done. We did a whole Bible study, very thorough, on the deity of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to attempt to do that today. We've done it before. As a matter of fact, we've done it in a deeper way where we've looked at the deity of God the Father. We've looked at the deity of Jesus Christ. We've looked at the deity of the whole person of the Holy Spirit. And then we also tied it all together with the doctrine of the Trinity. So if that's something that's ever, you've ever wanted, we've done it far more in depth. But for the sake of our time today, I want to look at four things that Jesus says about himself. Number one, he says here, I and my father are one. What he's saying is, I am God. That's what he's saying. Before there was a world, before there were planets, before there was light or darkness, before there was matter, before anything was ever created, there was Jesus, a member of the Trinity, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent with the Father and the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus personally claimed to be God on more than one occasion. John chapter 8, verse 58, here in John chapter 10, over and over again. Do you know that God the Father declared him to be, Jesus to be God? You can jot it down. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures, so just jot them down, and I'll read most of them for time's sake. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But to the Son, he, referring to the Father, says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Jesus referred to by God the Father as God. Not only that, but John called him God. We saw that in John chapter 1, verse 1, verse 14, and over and over again. Paul referred to Jesus as God in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Speaking of Jesus, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in him. Thomas calls Jesus God. Now, poor Thomas, he's got a bad reputation. He's always known as doubting Thomas. But I don't see him so much as doubting Thomas, as much as he is like some people in your life that they just need a little bit more information. You just got to give them a little bit more. They, they need to be convinced with good facts. And that's how Thomas was. It's almost like, you show me facts. And when Jesus did, this is what he said. John chapter 20, verse 28. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Isn't that how you're praying for your friends right now? They kind of get frustrated a little bit because they always want more facts, but just give it to them. The Bible's full of facts and truths and reality of who Jesus is. It's great. Thomas called him God. He was worshiped as God. Jot it down, Luke chapter 24, verse 51. Now it came to pass that he blessed, while he blessed them, that he, speaking of Jesus, was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him. He was worshiped as God. It's beautiful. When Jesus says, I and my Father are one, one of the things he's saying is, I am God. Number two, when Jesus says, I and my Father are one, he's also teaching us that Jesus became a man, that God inhabited a human body. Why? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, God became an embryo, a baby, a boy, a man, he entered into our world. He breathed our air. He shared our pain. But listen, Jesus didn't become identical with us. We need to be careful there. Jesus didn't come God in human form, and he didn't become identical with us. That's impossible because Jesus was sinless. You and I, not so much. You and I are born into sin and live a life of sinful proclivities. Even after being born again, we still sin. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. So he's not identical. 
And you go, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, then what is he? He didn't come to be identical with man. He came to be identified with man. That's a very cool thing to think about. That God became man. He identifies with us in so many ways. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a very popular passage around the time of Christmas, it says, for unto us a child is born. That's our perspective, isn't it? A little baby was born. For unto us a child was born. I mean, I love Christmas time. I, I love the holiday. I love, I love that time of the year. Because believer and unbeliever alike are talking about Jesus one way or the other. And even unbelievers put nativity scenes on their front lawn. It's just what they do. And, and by the way, you guys know that the nativity scene is not completely biblically accurate. You know that, right? But who cares? Because the baby's there. And it's not about, we're not teaching a Bible study in our front lawn. We're being reminded of the baby Jesus. And isn't it novel? I mean, isn't God so smart to introduce the world to the Savior by coming as a baby? Because who's, who's afraid of babies? Like nobody, everybody loves babies. What are they going to do with you? Barf on you? What are they going to do? Pull your hair? I mean, I was greeting this morning and, and, I, and I was able to interact with this neat little guy, baby. We were playing around, high-fiving. You know, he couldn't have been more than six months old and he grabs my finger. But you know what? I let him grab my finger. He's, he wasn't going to jump out of his, his dad's arms and beat me to the ground, you know? It's like babies are cool and babies are wonderful and, and what a great introduction to the baby. So around Christmas time, man, play it up. It's great. Yeah, baby Jesus. That's awesome. The, Jesus came as a baby, but guess what? Guess what? You, you take baby Jesus? Yes. Well, then you got to understand he grew up he became a man. He died on a Roman cross. He was buried in a sealed tomb guarded by Roman soldiers. And he rose again and is alive today. Why? To forgive you and me of our sins, to save us. So yes, Jesus became a man. So from our perspective, a child was born. But notice, unto us a son is given. That's heaven's perspective. The eternal son became a child, became a baby. So from our perspective, a baby born. Heaven's perspective, eternity, a son was given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And you, you know, that's always puzzled people. Why would that be Everlasting Father? Well, we get a hint of that in John chapter 10, verse 30. I and my Father are one. There's a unity of nature. And by the way, if you like to talk to people about, there's a fancy theological word that I'll give to you so you just can know it if you ever hear it. Or, you know, if you want to sound like, you know, be impressed somebody with your theological knowledge, you can use this word. It's ontological. O-N-T-O-L-O-G-I-C-A-L. Ontological. It's a fancy word for Bible students to describe the equality in nature. The equality in nature that the Trinity is ontologically equal and yet distinct persons. It's the same word we would use to describe the, the ontological equality of men and women before the Lord. Now, you realize that men and women, you realize we are different. You guys realize that? In more than one way. Anatomically, mentally, emotionally, we are different, unique people. Men, and despite what our culture says, men are men and women are women. I mean, our culture's going crazy. You know that, right? 
It's just going crazy. I saw on my Twitter feed the other day, uh, the, the University of California has just like posted a sign that says, you know, you go ahead. We're not going to have men and women bathrooms anymore. You just go ahead. I don't even know why I got into this first service. I don't know why I'm doing it now. It's not, we're talking about Jesus, but like you can just go to whatever bathroom you want to go to. Like, are you crazy? I don't, don't go into my daughter's bathroom. You can't go in there. You're a man. I don't care how you dress or what you feel. Men's bathrooms are for men and women's bathrooms are for women. Um, I think Jesus would have went to the men's restroom because he was a man. Because Jesus became a man. And no matter what our culture does, we've got to navigate with the gospel of Jesus Christ in very difficult culture. It's one of the reasons why I think pure rebellion will be really good for you and your family because we've got a different culture, guys. It's very different. It is not what we grew up with. It's not anywhere near. It's different. It's darker as the coming of the Lord is nearer and nearer. It's getting darker and darker. The world is more confused. The world is pressing in, trying to make, the, make uh, good being uh, called evil and evil being called good. And we need to be very, very careful. Jesus became a man. He wasn't a man of the flesh like you and I with sinful impulses, but rather he was sinless and resisted every human temptation. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So who is Jesus? The question's been asked then and today and still as people push him away, things get crazy. A little boy frightened by a, a real scary thunderous lightning storm called out to his daddy one night and said, Daddy, Daddy, come, I'm scared. And the dad went back, you know, not wanting to get up. Son, God loves you. He'll take care of you. And to the son responds, I know, Dad, I know that God loves me, but right now I want somebody with skin on, you know. <laughs> For all intents and purposes to describe Jesus, he is God with skin on. And what, how grateful we are that he was sent to us. You know, he's fully God and fully human. He had two natures that coexisted. We see that over and over again. We've looked at some of the portions of his deity, but, you know, on more than one occasion, he was thirsty, like in John chapter 19, verse 28. In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus was troubled. In John chapter 4, verse 6, he was weary. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, he was hungry, as well as in that same section, he was tempted of the devil. Spiritual warfare led into the wilderness to be tempted, just like you and me. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus got tired. I mean, there's an occasion where he got so tired that he went into the boat in the midst of a storm and went to sleep. He was tired. He was fully human. And on one occasion, you know, sometimes you think, man, I get angry too much and I get upset about things way too much. And you go, I wonder if Jesus is anything like me. Well, you know what? The Bible records for us a time when Jesus was angry, but without sin. And so he knows the emotion of anger and thirst and he knows he can relate to us. He's not some distant deity barking orders at us. Jesus became, God became one of us to save us. Well, there you have Pastor Ed Taylor's first two observations. One, Jesus is saying he is God. Two, he's also teaching us that Jesus became a man. 
Now, there are a couple more truths flowing out from this statement, I and the Father are one, and we'll share those with you next time on Abounding Grace. We're going through the Gospel of John right now, and you can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. And we're also on OnePlace.com and have a podcast, too. We all have stubborn habits in our lives. Maybe it's a tendency to worry, drink alcohol, lust, or curse. And perhaps you're finding it very difficult to break. Well, we've got a helpful book to share with you from Erwin Lutzer called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. As the name of the title would suggest, this book will help you shake that nasty habit. We'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call and ask for How to Break a Stubborn Habit. Our number is 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we deliver God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call us at 877-30-GRACE. Well, next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of John. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.